0: 23rd, uh, 2019. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Folk Runyon, and tonight we present a reading of Keeper and Oran, The Story of a Tree by Merrick Rees Hamer. Now, Merrick is a leader in masonry, the Golden Dawn, and the Church of the Hermetic Sciences, and as a librarian, he is also a professional storyteller. Now, this particular story is about a boy and a tree. The story is a beautiful expression of the rapport we can have with nature if we personify it and the depth of meaning we can find in the loss of natural beauty. If time permits, we'll present another short story by our host from the old Seventh Ray of 1975, Daughter of the Oak, about a boy and a girl and a tree. But in this tale, the tree comes to a similar fate, but the boy learns the wrong lesson. So, if you want to visit the magical forest with us, tune in and have a seat on stump. While we're waiting for Merrick to contact us, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, a little bit about this uh, this this story that he's going to do because he we we're, well, we're going to discuss the symbolism of it later. But uh, it is, as I said, it, it's. It's a personification of nature. I have, I have, have had the experience of communicating with, with trees, and, uh, you know, I like to hike in the forest. I used to hike with my with my mentor, Fred Adams, and, and we would be uh, hiking in the St. Gabriel's. And, and every so often, you know, we'd, uh, we'd come to a tree that we... That we felt we could communicate with, and this is, um, by the way, the tree spirits are called dryads. Uh,
1: you know,
0: you you can contact them. And uh, Robert Graves, of course, in The White Goddess, he had a he had a, a, a tree alphabet, and my particular uh, tree in the, in the circle of trees uh, in, the, in the tree alphabet happens to be an oak, and and I have. And fortunately, I have been able to contact my my dryad, and uh, so the the personification of a, of a tree is 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 um, as a very wise old being. Of course, Tolkien, you know, had had the ants, the the living trees and this particular story that uh, that Merritt has has a relation to the persival to the grail from the stars and this ties it in with with european folklore and also the wisdom of the, uh, of, the of the trees is personified in the in the druid uh, you know in the druid tradition and the druid's uh, uh this story that I that I will read if we have time enough uh, of the daughter of the oak is a kind of a druid. uh a story about a, a druid and 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 his his young uh, his young girl apprentice. And the one thing that 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 I want to emphasize in in, uh, in in tree magic is that in European and British and Irish and of course and it translates all the way over to America. There is this ancient situation that all the way from Poland, all the way to the west coast of Ireland, back in the last days of the Roman Empire, there was an oak forest, literally, that stretched all the way from from Poland, all the way to the west coast of Ireland. It was one continuous oak forest. And this, of course, was the kingdom, the the magical kingdom of the Druids. And the mistletoe, uh, which lived in the woods, was their sacred plant, of course, in the, in the oak and the oak tree. And the oaks were their, you know, were, 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 were kind of their temples, in a sense. This is from the, the, uh, the old original Seventh Ray back in 1975. The story was written over 20 years before that. And it is not intended to proselytize neo-pagan religious viewpoint, but to illustrate the universal theme of man's inhumanity to man, perpetrated in the name of God. With the exception of some minor editing, we have left it in its original form, wherein the pagans are presented as worshipers of God to contrast more directly with the Christians. And in the case of the Druids, there might have been some justification uh, for the theology, regardless of literary uh, considerations. But, and if readers think that the uh, medieval setting for such a uh, confrontation is um, not authentic, we should remind them that in Prussia,
1: as one example...
0: The people remained pagan all the way into the 15th century. So here's the story. The old man sat under the great oak. His eyes were closed, but he was not asleep. The young girl knew this as she came near him. Old man, she said, yes, he My friend the boy was not in the meadow. Will he come tomorrow? No, he won't. Well, what have I done to offend him? You have done nothing to offend the boy, the old man said. He is the son of a great Lord, and he has grown tall enough to sit a horse. His father will make a man of him before his chin is bearded. The old man's face mirrored the sadness of her bright tears, but there was a part of him that rejoiced. He loved the girl more than a daughter, though she was not of his body. As his stepchild, she would not be as other women. He knew that loneliness was the burden of their heritage, but she was too young to fully understand. She knelt beside him and laid her head on his chest. The coarse weave of his robe and the stiff hair of his beard were rough against the softness of her cheek. The miller's wife told me ...that they are building a great temple in the town, she said. I, too, have heard this. He replied, um, uh, Merrick, just uh, stand by, because I'm, 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 I'm doing uh, Daughter of the Oak. And the one in the weekend. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, yeah, just stand by. Do you think the people will go there instead of coming here to our oak? temple will be big and warm, and it will keep out the rain. Does God live in a house, he said? No, God lives in the world, she replied. Does God not bring the cold and the rain? Well, so you have taught me, she said. Then I will answer your question. Those of our people who seek the true God will come to the oak. I grant you they will be fewer, but if they are only the number on one hand... I will teach them, and you will teach them after me. The old man was wise and good, she thought. He will always be under the oak to teach and comfort the people. Let them build the temple to their Savior. It will crumble in time, but the oak will stand forever. In the weeks that followed, she did not see the boy. She missed his laughter and the wonder in his eyes when she showed him the secrets of her forest. She wondered if he was happy in the big manor house with no one but the older people and the stone walls for company. Well, then one day, a servant from the great house came to visit the old man, and as he neared the oak, he made the sacred sign and took off his cap. How may we help you, the old man said. Well, the young master is very sick. The Deletius can do nothing. He asked for the daughter of the oak. Well, what does the old master say? Well, it was he who sent for me, who sent me. The old man paused a time before answering. He searched the girl's eyes for something other than innocence that might have been, he might appeal to. He saw only her concern for the boy, and he knew that God had given her the knowledge and the power to heal. Perhaps it was the will of God that she should use these gifts He looked up into the branches of the oak at the sound of a bird taking wing, and he watched it fly out of sight. She has my leave to go with you, he said, trying to hide his tears from her sight with a pretended cough. <clears throat> the leeches protested when the girl insisted that they remove the creatures for which their profession was named from the boy's body. They hovered about the sick bed, muttering that the herb tea she administered to him was surely poison. In spite of their warnings, by morning he showed signs of recovery. The physicians whispered sorcery, but but the master, delighted in his son's happier condition, dismissed a lot of them. However. By the afternoon of the following day, the leeches were replaced in the sick room by an observer who could not be so easily dismissed, a robed and hooded monk who had been sent by the abbot. He voiced no criticism of the girl's nursing, but he watched her every move closely and noted the content and application of each of her remedies, after which he would sprinkle water on the boy's face While mumbling in his cowl Even though the boy was doing well His father no longer seemed pleased Whenever he encountered the girl He avoided her eyes And would not speak with her directly On the day she left the manor house The monk smiled strangely at her And an icy silence Was the only thanks she received from anyone The boy made a complete recovery, but he did not come again to the forest as the little girl had hoped. Summer withered into autumn, and the great oak's foliage whirled away on a gusty wind. The white shroud of winter uh, settled in chilling silence and stayed overlong on the land. On the first drizzly day of spring, only a few of the poorer people came to the oak, and they came with troubled faces. During the summer, only travelers along the high road stopped uh, to worship in the old way. And then on the first gray day of autumn, monks and soldiers arrived to chop the oak down. And they took the old man and his stepdaughter away in a cart in chains. Now, the cathedral was finished seven years later, and on Sundays, when the great bell tolled all the people went there, the young baronet went with his father, and they gave thanks to the saints that his soul belonged to God and not to the devil. It was commonly known that the devil's daughter had bewitched him eight years ago, luring him into the forest on several occasions until he nearly succumbed to the deadly malice of her enchantment. All this he had faithfully described to the ministers of the holy office. The old baron was ever thankful for his son's armor of purity at that tender age. The witch and the old wizard had been mighty in the powers of darkness, but they could not prevail against the innocent a child. So that concludes the daughter of the yoke, and that concludes, uh, and as I said, the boy in this case did not learn the lessons. But however, in the story that Merrick is going to read to us, I think the boy does learn the lessons, and and, and uh, so it's a counterpoint. It's certainly a counterpoint to this story. So, Merrick, you? you uh, I'm am sorry. I had to, I had to, uh, to put uh, put the Daughter of the Oak first, but uh, you know uh, we were having a lot of dead air there. So, you know, we 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 don't have dead air on the radio. And uh,
1: that's quite all right, Polk, And good evening yeah, to you. Uh,
0: well, good evening to you too. And I've already I've already introduced you in the in the abstract at the beginning. So uh, we all know that you are you you are a professional storyteller. This is this is what this is what you do. And and uh, you you know you're a librarian, a professional storyteller, and of course you're also a leader in and and as I said in Masonry and the Golden Dawn and in the Church of Mystic Sciences and. Uh, and so your uh, uh, this uh, this story of yours is, is is original, and as I said, it also there's some relation to uh, uh, to the to, to the the, the, the Grail Stone as revealed in the parcel I believe. Uh, so we I, have, I believe it uh, does. Yes. Uh, do, you, do you want to tell us a little bit about it before you get into it, or do you want to do you want to just get into get
1: directly into it and, and, and then and then discuss it uh, afterward? Well, I suppose uh, what I should do is uh, go ahead and read it first and make sure that uh, there's enough time to include it all, and then we'll see oh. what time is left over. and um, you know Perhaps we can um, discuss it at that time.
0: I think, yeah, we'll have, we'll, we'll have enough time. Yeah, just go ahead and narrate the story then.
1: Very well. Now, is my voice coming through okay?
0: Yeah, sounds good to me.
1: Very well then. Here we go. It's called Kiefer and Orin, The Story of a Tree. Once upon a day, around high twelve, I strolled through a forest as a matter of necessity. This I had to do, despite the remoteness of the forest from my usual habitat. Oft I would do this in moments reflective, when the need was great to remove myself from the circadian cares of life in the busy ports and hubs of the cities, places that neither rest nor permit, resting by those who desire it. If it were not to seek solace, then it would be to contemplate what I must do to consummate the meaning of life and the higher aspirations of duty the better to seek affinity and commiseration with my fellow creatures. Allow me, therefore, to introduce myself. I am called Kiefer, and I live in the city far across the meadow which beginneth just at the base of the elevated woods. Let it be said that the place of the great trees is the most pleasant on earth, and and fitting, therefore, for contemplative thoughts. Now, it was no accident that I had chosen the woods as my restful resort, for in it my mind opens to visions nowhere else to be seen. And within it also, my deeper and more reconciling thoughts occur. There is something magical about the forest. But what had led me to it, one may ask? For this to be answered, I must tell thee how I well I remember when as a boy sitting upon my grandfather's lap, I would listen to the stories he would love to tell. Many they were, in fact, beyond count. Yet that which I remember best, and which was most compelling, was the story about a stone that had fallen from the sky. To the barren ground below it fell, where it transformed into roots, and the roots then burgeoned into a mighty tree. Soon other stories would uh, soon other stones would fall and, and other trees spring forth. Collectively they formed a majestic sanctuary where all life would find its inner dwelling and restoration. But as my grandfather would have had it, his stories continued night by night until they would reach its end, and after of course a new story would begin long have i awaited to hear more what became of the stone from heaven but my grandfather's end came about before the story's end for soon after the old man had become ill the great creator called him to his final resting place blessed be the memory i shall ever cherish it is now left for me to discover within this forest so seemingly like, like that which my grandfather had pictured the destiny unfulfilled A decade has passed now since my grandfather's death, and although my visits here have been liberally recorded, there is still no resolution. Yet I have discovered many new friends in the forest, and have realized my place to be at peace. Now there was general stillness in the woods on the day of this particular day of my strolling, except for the songbirds which sang joyously. Auspicious was their chanting in the orchard, and reverential and sublime my visit there. The trees were mightier than cathedral walls, and they surrounded me utterly. Tradition hath asserted that Arthur and his knights had passed through these woods, stopping to pay homage unto their merciful God, who had placed in their keeping holy relics which they had borne on their journeys, whithersoever destiny had led. Indeed, in days past, swarms would fly overhead from nearby lakes as tokens of God's enduring covenant of peace. Furthermore, Caesar and Cicero, albeit those they were, and both of whom were cut down, were said to have sought solace in these parts, as had sought many others who followed. Perhaps their their spirits have returned here to make peace at last. All that was present in the forest that day enraptured my soul and filled it with gratitude unto the great Creator who had planted every tree that is present to the sight and who had furrowed the grounds for the seeds of life and posterity in general. And alas, who had gifted humankind with their oasis of Edenic beauty a memorial to the holy God in which one day was their hope to regain. Suddenly, however, as an anomaly would present itself, I came upon a tree that had been cut down, with only a stump remaining to meet the eye. Who hath dared to cut thee down? In an agitated voice, for indeed, I love trees above all else. Tell me who hath done this, that I may seek him out and rebuke him, that I may pray unto the God of heaven that is just and mighty hand, will may at once seize him and cast him in derision. Tell me what in recompense will give thee a charge of this horrid deed accomplish, and I shall see that it be done, even according to thy will. "'Nay,' replied the tree as I wept, "'although still despairing, "'and although I had spoken only figuratively, "'presently I stood agape, "'for I did not expect so audibly a reply to mine outcry "'and tumultuous grief as is that which I heard, "'seemingly a voice emanating from the stump itself. "'Have no care for that which thou seest,' said the tree further, "'that which is before thine eyes "'hath been ordained by the progenitor of life, "'and it is meant neither to offend nor cause thee grief.' In the deeps of my present estate, a story lieth hidden, and unto him only that hath the ears to hear the forest whimpers, and the eyes to read between the lines, will the meaning thereof be revealed now, upon such words as the tree in all physical appearance had spoken, I did ponder, was I one of whom to whom it had one of such to whom it had alluded, one who would gain such insight? Indeed, I am known as one who holdeth in due reverence the monumental columns of so glorious a sanctuary as that wherein I have lately strolled, but certainly it could not be I. Surely then, said I to the stump, there must be some other master who adventure these was more suitable that thou wouldest unto him the mysteries of thy life reveal one who hath reconciled order and beauty with chaos and destruction and whose ears are more tuned to the whimpers of the forest let me depart at once i say lest the words of thine ordained and sacrificial life be tainted by falling upon such unworthy ears as those which i bear peace my dear friend said the tree unto me let thy disquietude spelled and thy doubt also removed for indeed it is thee whom i have called hither and none other i have seen thee in thy former visitations in thy comings and in thy going even with thine approaches i have heard the songs of thine heart and the patterns of thy shortened feet furthermore by thy name i know thee to have descended from those whose lives had faded from the memories of thy fathers but who notwithstanding had lived in high places among the great conifers and who like unto thee had reverenced the lofty pillars of the forest serene thou art for sure the one whom i have called Kiefer. But I am merely a denizen of a place afar off, one who knoweth the language and clamor of factory life and the commotions and cacophony of an imperfect and impatient people. Tell me, I pray, how dost thou know my name, and by what merits have I deserved thine attention, and and also by what name in return shall I call thee? In truth, I felt silly in asking these questions for whoever, after all, who had ever heard of a tree that speaketh audibly to mortals, or even more preposterous, a tree born with a name still, as it were. Mine affinity for nature, and for towering trees especially, is great, and oft I would give names to things that were nameless, and I felt certain that I would, would have given names to all the trees in this lovely forest, indeed all the trees that hitherto I had passed yet this tree among them reduced to so low an estate that only its stump would appear i had neither seen nor before met still it spoke to me thou art indeed silly if even for a moment thou thinkest I had been given a name appreciable by human ears, said the tree, for unlike the names given unto thee and thy kind, the names reserved for conifers come from a place far away and are seemingly strange to human. Yet there was a time when this orchard, which is thine earthly oasis, and the place thou callest Eden, were one and the same, because there was nothing to separate them. To surmount the barrier that hath wedged them asunder is a feat that few humans have ever achieved. Consider, kefer, the knights of old, whom I have seen pass through these very woods, albeit well before thy birth, and who, bearing the green stone of adoration, heard their names called out from heaven. Such names as Titoral, Amfortas, and Percival were but the names given by earth-dwellers to their possessors. Their true names, however, spelt out in the stars, were uttered beyond the wall and were audible only to earthlings who understood their connections with the celestial light. Such divinely conceived names were preordained, therefore, and and like unto theirs, my name was set in the stars by the progenitor of all life. Kiefer, my dear one, I fear thou hast forgotten me only because my form hath changed, notwithstanding thou once had given me the earthly name Orin, because thou camest upon me and marbled at the whole of my being and the brilliance of my branches, which now have narrowed, and which thou canst neither see nor remember. Ah, but I do remember, I thought to myself, the tree's words made dawn upon me an important event in which I had given a name to the most beautiful child of nature. Orin was the call I had reserved for the most magnificent member of the forest, whose lofty beams surpassed those of all others, whose aura was bright and far-reaching, who spoke to me in my dreams when unto the city I would return indeed the shepherd of the woods under whose peaceful branches fauna sought refuge and in repose from whatever woes might might trouble gods and loving creatures the name was communicated to me in the form of a dream when upon the backs of mine eyelids the canopy of stars seemed stretched and was therefore whispered to me not into mine ears but at the center of my brain even as with the dream of Scipio. About which I had learned in my readings, I could see in mine own somnolence the world from celestial heights and understood names to be more than mere sounds, but the consummation of identities, the whole of a soul's journey so far as I've ventured. My later research revealed to me that the earthly name Orin, which I bestowed upon the tree, was of ancient Hebrew origin and meant both tree of the ancient pine and the light of God. In the olden tongue the appellations are by metathesis one and the same but lo my most stately friend with so named majestic hath been reduced abated as it were in humility cut down by an axe tell me who hath done this that i smite him at once again i cried as mine anger returned behold my tree behold my rings since they are many said the tree come therefore keifer disarm thyself of harsh and, and retaliatory thoughts and sit for a time upon my stump since it hath been prepared for thee and listen thou to the gentle breeze of the sanctuary as it murmureth into thine ears the story of my life surely i uttered to myself Naught but a tree would receive the acts of sacrifice and speak in such forbearing words Naught else but a tree would yield such sap as the blood of earth and yet glimmer for a season in the windows of Yule-tide homes and with branches so soon to wither scatter unto the winds in due respect therefore i sat as bidden and with all humility and adoration for the sacrificial icon listened well to what had never been received by any human ear many centuries ago spake the tree perhaps a millennium or perhaps even more I fell to the wind as it breathed upon the branches of an high beamish, ruddy pine, even as the thing swept across the surface of an unknown world. For well, let it be acknowledged that there is a place for trees where no mortal has ever set foot. And after the wind had abated, I settled anew in a place determined by destiny's breath. And there I took root and burgeoned, among other seedlings, into a little bay, and many were the creatures of the Orchard lately formed That came thither to admire me But after many years of nurture I grew into a majestic column With powerful eager branches The likes of which I no longer bear I performed what I learned From mine ancient parent Before my separation Indeed from the tree from whence I came For with its verdant arms It would reach for the cellar dew As it rained upon the garden beneath All that it had gathered Was sent down its mighty shaft to nourish as it were the ground below and all nature resounded and sang orisons for the dew that had descended and for the gift of essence divine this the majestic tree did each day as the great luminary of the sky would return to shed its benignant rays with the sun as father and and the garden as mother the hand of the great great creator was surely at work and conceived the garden and all therein and all the parts thereof that would sow the seeds of posterity although but still a seedling i was protected from all manner of ill fate for none could reach me neither fear nor foe serpent nor conniver for this tree was guarded and yet more from far above the grassy ground suspended from a lofty branch i beheld the beauties of a primal place all around me as creatures alighted and delighted alike but now and then the wind would visit and whisper into mine ear one day o oh child of the ancient pine, thou shalt leave thy verdant home and start a life anew and thus the day came to pass even as the wind had said and i had separated with a powerful breath that carried me afar down down now here i thought to myself such words as uttered by the penny lips and the aerial whisper filled my head with thoughts of god and his nature's art that breath is in all things and that all that have it are the lauding creatures of the lord of life that it passeth through all and weaveth together all things in all times that time and eternity are truly one and the same and that even the coldest stones of past and present aspire in mutual accord. Such is a lesson of life. And yet, despite the mystery of my ponderings and the ineffability of my words to express them, I must seek means to enrapture my fellow creatures, whom I love, weighted down in its laven as they are to the bonds of Dodum, and share with them the revelations that have moved me in the deeps of this forest. I knew, therefore, that I had much more to learn from this tree called Orin and that many more were the questions i must ask whither had the wind taken thee i then asked alas my dear lover of the forest said the tree thy ponderings are for aught for indeed we are together in past and in present there is no balustrade between the gates of gods and their mysteries making impassable all who seek to enter by pure and contrite heart hence no obstacle shall separate us in form or spirit indeed thou hast realized well that breath is meant for all things that it is the evidence of life yet singly it cannot sustain the fullness thereof even as ordained by the father of eden and by him who planted the very tree of life wherefore speakest thou i asked further thy words are verily obscure what more to life is there than that which filleth our lungs and propelleth the thoughts we utter from between our lips and which bringeth together songsters in praise and harmony please tell me more i implore thus spake Orin. now what they have told thee in the school is but true that each year a new ring is added to a tree's trunk and so my life began in ancient times from far above i have seen the interior of the forest and the sky that hovers above it the birds when they would carry and deliver their messages and the creatures of the orchard as they would dash hither and thither and flit yonder and about i have seen them take refuge and nest in my branches and sing for my crown and i have seen men also and what they do and have done each act is a ripple in time and is recorded as a ring in my towering pillar I have seen the tenderness of men and their noble deeds. I have seen also their ravages and pillages, and I have seen them live and die. Each man that hath fallen hath entered the earth as dust, and hath been absorbed into my roots, and hath filled my veins with his memory. In me are the records of the ages, the good and the bad, the fair and the foul. Everything that hath occurred is now a memory unto me, not a memory by which to judge, but to be come part of who I am nothing evadeth my recollection all the memories of the forest dwell beneath the the, the crusty bark that is mine outer garment and now my life and all that I have seen is on view before thee dear keeper for I have been cut down and upon my legacy thou art seated let it enrapture thee let these memories fill thee even as they have filled me and lo the key to who I am verily despite the numerous mantles and garments that have defined me to the outer world, is receded well within mine outer ring, deeply embedded as the inner core, invisible to the eye, but let it alone renew thy soul. Now I think I understand, I said to myself, as I continued sitting upon the stump. And I remember well the lessons taught me in the school about the manifold rings of the tree and the knots in them when formed that make difficult the felling of the timbers lo i understand that breath alone is for naught that body without spirit is but dust even as breath is exchanged throughout existence so must light also permeate nature but so it hath been ordained by the great creator himself yet when men forget their parts in the divine plan, they, they cut off the reality of their existence and become hardened and unreceptive to the higher confluences that ever descend around them. Far from what the ancient pine had taught them, by extending its branches to receive the divine radiance, the arms of men too oft remain at their side. There is naught to nourish the ground upon which they walk. The prevailing consternation is what men have brought into this world, which is the darkness, and the evil, therefore, that they have formed is is not but the rebuffing of the celestial gifts ever sent by God the Father, but not received with open arms by his progenies. Without the purifying element of light, which is the love of God, the air that men breathe in and exhale is but foul air. Each of their errors satineth deeply the pillars of the forest, and thus within their rings have been inserted the knots or burrs of transgression as acted out in the world around them behold my dearest lover of the forest said the tree behold my rings in the absence of the burrs about which thou had spoken the countless knots that once studded the whole of my trunk and the branches and parts of me that have been cut down in absolution have no care dear Kiefer." for the rest for the resolution thou seekest is at hand the gifts of god never cease to flow even as the great rivers between heaven and earth never fail know that among them there is a river that containeth the seed of life and another that restoreth the soul and lo mine own restoration is before me for it hath been written there is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again Hmm and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Surely what I have spoken is obscure and cannot be passed on in words or by breath alone. Rather thy deeds shall speak for thee, and whether thy deeds be inspired by light divine or incited by radiance eclipse, will depend upon thy stature. Extend therefore thine arms, dear keeper, even as I once extended mine. Through thee I shall find restoration. Alas, while sitting In a lotus-like posture upon the stump of an ancient pine, amid the cathedral-like setting of the forest serene, and in a state of profound meditation, the attentive ear had received such words as would fulfill a destiny. And through the offices of love and compassion, the barriers of obscurity have been surmounted. What the knights of old had had sought in their quest to attain it within the forest is now an enigma for which the answer hath been found. They sought life and immortality and discovered that the verdant and ruddy rivers of paradise were the fountains of each respectively and of which the emerald and the ruby they carried with them were their tokens. The rivers in truth flow everywhere, yet it is within this peaceful realm of the garden that the eyes will see their glimmering and the ears respond to their rustling and that the brow will be refreshed. "'and the thirsty tongue quenched. "'Presently I have turned mine eyes upward "'and see two turtle-doves in flight descending, "'one destined for my left hand open "'and the other for my right, "'and into such hands have been placed "'the stones of priesthood, "'which I shall ever cherish. "'Heeding the words of Orin, "'I stood up as directed, "'as though arising from my grandfather's lap, "'and postured myself upon the foundation provided.' With arms extended to the heavens and with a stone in each hand, I uttered the prayer of eternity. Hail unto thee, O source of all that is and was and ever shall be. Unto thee who hath planted every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life in the midst of the eternal garden. Lo, I stand before thee with arms upward reaching for essence divine. Send forth, I beseech thee but a single ray of thy primal light, that it may reach even unto me. Grant unto me the gift of persuasion, that I may pass on to my fellow creatures the blessings bequeathed unto me. The world suffereth and is in need of light divine. The dark places are many, and humanity hath long closed its eyes to the effluence that is ever in its presence. The knowledge reserved for us in thine holy place, we have coveted and seized before our rightful time. And in the absence of light divine, we have abused the same. And hence, harsh judgments against our fellow beings have followed, and wars have plagued humankind, and their blood hath poisoned our rivers indeed hatred and intolerance have been the tenor of our voices and confusion and misjudgment the products of our enfeebled minds behold mine own errors and those of my fellow creatures for the faults we have formed are many and manifold manifold are the rings in which the knots and burrs of our errant ways have been recorded notwithstanding our waywardness through the effluence of thy love and mercy, may we gain insight into the power of compassion and self-sacrifice, and thus ascend to our rightful estate, and look, uh, look upon our fellow creatures with cheerful eyes, and disentomb all mourners from their darkness, and place into their hands the tools with which to build May the walls of intolerance and self-righteousness be cast down, and may the flow-springs of thy primal rivers resume their courses. Though by the axe many a tree hath been felled, and though by the sword many a man hath fallen, yet may the byun waters of thy paradisical realm descend to raise them anew, Grant vision unto the eyes Of all that have reopened May they behold the forest serene And the magnificent columns Erected therein Let the sweet-smelling scent Of the orchard Spread through the portal Down the slopes of the mountains Unto the cities below And may all whom it hath reached Come unto this holy place And worship thee Even unto this altar Which is the stump Of a tree sublime Even as the burrs and knots Fade from our consciousness So may our enfeebled hands Reach out to embrace one another In love and affection And in peace and concord forever Amen Descending and lowering mine hand I realized that naught else Had I gathered but that Which had been gifted and ordained The scintillating dew of life And light divine Once more I glanced at the stump which now I see as a radiant giant of the forest, and I know that I had raised the fallen, I bade it farewell and listened to its parting words. Very good, my dear child of the pines, for thou hast basked well in the light of God. Bask as thou wilt and listen to the glory, for truly it is heaven on earth through thee i have been restored and behold my branches once again span eternity knowest thou not that there is reward in heaven for those that love thy their fellow creatures and this is what is offered to thee my true name beyond speech hath shown upon thee and through it glory in thy life will not cease and in thee there is hope for thy kind alas If thou art rested, and now that I am healed, take heed and go thy way. How propitious it is that we were met, and how neat it is that thus my legacy shall be imprinted upon the minds of posterity. Thou and thy maker know well what thou shalt wrap around thee hence. Farewell, my dear one. Know that I shall not forget thee, and that I shall keep safe the place I have prepared for thee and those that follow. I love thee forever. Farewell. Farewell, friend. Farewell, dear keeper of two worlds. May the breath and light of life remain between us until the day in paradise when we shall meet again. And now, all ye listeners who have heard this story, if ye be truly my friends, hear my words. After my life is spent, I wish to be buried within a forest serene, among the trees I love above all else. And without a stone engraven to mark my place for such a stone would be for naught, as my life will have been recorded in the stump of an old tree that is the end of the story
0: uh, that is very very moving and 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 and, and uh and, and very profound and i and and uh we have uh, we have a little time left let's uh let's let's talk about uh about some of the lessons that uh, uh that are that that are uh presented in the in, in 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 that tale. Uh I think as as uh, you know, as we mentioned uh, when you get started, uh it it owes something to the to the Parsifal uh, to the stone from the stars and and uh which which was according to the according to the Wolfram von Essenbach was the Holy Grail. And and uh and uh so so the old uh, your 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 uh your your grandfather in the in the uh in the story, uh uh told uh, told, told about the about the uh um the stone coming down and and and, and, and giving root to a, to the tree. And and uh in in a way would you would you kind of would you say that that, 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 that tree is, is kind of like the kabbalistic tree of life in a sense that, that the stone coming down from the stars and yeah yeah that, well let let's let's uh, discuss that for just, just just a bit of a, yeah, just a bit. well
1: certainly that is one of the, uh, the one of the images i had in mind uh, the comparison of this tree with the with the Eschaim, the, uh, the kabbalistic tree of life and in a sense, uh, the tree also represents the grandfather coming back to complete the, un- the the remainder of the story that he died before he could complete. Um, and then, of course, we can see, um, we can even see some Christian um, um, symbolism in the tree as sort of a sacrificial, um, sacrificial icon. And so it depends on what one's uh, perception is. I mean, we we can look at it from a Christian angle or even a, a non-Jewish uh, uh, tradition uh, or n- not even anything that's fundamentally religious. Uh, so it, it I I don't think there's a single um, specific way we have to view this. There are certainly symbols I think you've got it right the the stone that had fallen from heaven I'm perceiving that to be the the green stone of life that planted the tree and manifested something whereas uh, later on we're reaching for heaven and I'm interpreting that as the the red stone of the ruby which, which is really supplying the vitality to to that which yeah. has been created and there's yeah, these and we've two also, rivers
0: yeah we ever... yeah. also uh, dealt with the with the uh uh with the, uh, with, the uh, with the oak tree and, uh and its, and and its sacredness to the druids but we should also hmm. mention Yggdrasil Yggdrasil the uh the the holy tree of the of the Norse tradition too which uh uh you know uh kind of figures in this because uh uh, this 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 forest, you know that 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 I that, I mentioned that, that the great the great forest that stretched all the way from Poland to, uh, uh, you know, for the, to to the west coast of Ireland. Oh, all mm-hmm. of which, all of these these wonderful oak trees got. Got cut down to make, uh, uh, you know, to make uh, to build uh, villages and and, and 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 ships. And a lot of them, you know, the uh, they were cut down to build navies, uh, the Dutch navy and the and, and the Spanish navy and the British and and, and the and the, the British navy. And, and, and they were all, they were they, these these oak trees were just they were literally slaughtered to uh, to build ships. And and uh, and I suppose we 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 could say that that perhaps the trees uh, you know the trees uh, felt that that was that was destiny as you know as as Orin as Orin, uh, uh said well this is the way the way of things you know and 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 the way things are and and uh, so these these trees uh, these trees carried us carried carried us over here to the new world you know they they as uh, ships and, and, uh, and, 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 and a ship. In a sense, a ship is a living being, you know, <laughs> and maybe maybe a ship well, is a living being because the trees it's made of are we're living beings, and and, uh,
1: and, and so, even even stones are living beings. Yeah, and,
0: and, uh, we're we're hearkening back to the animism of the shamans and the druids and and, and Paracelsus and, and 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 the hermetic tradition with our elementals, and as I say, so so this this is a this is a as i said it was a beautiful beautiful story and and uh, thank you so much for sharing it with us next week we will have we'll be back again the same uh, you know same time good night the very honored friend menonities and and uh and uh, thank you so much for, for coming on, and, and everybody out there in, in, uh, in Internet radio land, uh, good magic, and we'll,
1: uh, we'll, even, we'll see you next week. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, Magister Tabian. Thank you very much. Good night.
0: plus.